On today's show, we have a champion athlete, an all-round inspiring lady, Laura Siddle. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for the uh, introduction. <laughs> oh, you're most welcome. I am excited to have you on, and I know that uh, many, 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 many people are going to find this inspiring. Uh, for those of us or people out there listening who don't know um, who you are, tell us tell us a bit about yourself. Laura Siddle, I'm a professional triathlete. I've been um, a full-time professional for, uh, since 2014, so heck, that's longer than I think. Um, I And before that, I was just an age group age group athlete started the sport as a complete beginner uh, quite old at the age of 29 when I started the sport um, I was living in Australia then but if I go back a little bit um, from the UK originally but now sort of live all over the world I've lived in Australia and Sydney I've lived in the States and San Francisco I now split my time between the southern hemisphere so New Christchurch New Zealand and mm-hmm. then Girona in Spain and so just mm. go summer to summer so pretty lucky um from that aspect uh always played sport as a kid did uh, you're gonna get the full story now so a gap year in the army between school and university then went on to university did mechanical engineering Mm. and through my job um at the time which was with shell and the the big oil company that i got a transfer over to australia and to sydney moved over there and it was over there that i then found the sport of triathlon and yeah as I said sort of started as a a complete beginner uh, as an amateur and progressed up the ranks I guess and then took the took the plunge to to do it full-time as a professional and see see what I could do and that was back end of 2013-2014. And I was reading that you had not just risen through the ranks like you smashed it in the amateur bit like you were pretty well the best is that (laughs) like a fair summation I I mean not immediately um it wasn't like I I took up the sport and and had instant results I think I've Mm -hmm. I've been someone that probably um oh I I guess naturally sporty as in a broad range you know I've always played sports so naturally sporty but I wouldn't necessarily I have say I have bags and bags of natural talent and ability um so you know compared to some triathletes or some sports people who you can just see have that you know mm-hmm. they, they just pick up you know a tennis racket or golf club for the first time and you can just see they have a natural talent for for, for it um I've definitely had to work hard to to get where I am but I but yeah I mean I did I started as a complete beginner, but did sort of over those, what was it, four years, I guess, as an amateur, um, did sort of improve and then got to a place where I um, won four world titles as an amateur um, over, wow. started sprint distance and then two at the Olympic distance and then one at the 70.3 to so the half, half Ironman distance as well. That must have been incredible because, like, you know, I go to events and, like, I really say to myself, it's not about who else is around me and I'm just, you know, it's about com- completion, um, not about competing. Um, but but it must have been interesting, you know, from from your perspective as you started to, you know, go through and, you know, you're, you're fresh, you're a beginner, and then all of a sudden you start to actually improve your times and I'm guessing that you're probably looking at, you know, improving on your own um, previous efforts and then the next thing starting to see that actually – you're actually competitive here. Was that an interesting feeling? Yeah, I think the first time I 
really thought I was competitive. Um, so I remember sort of as a, a complete beginner, I got lucky in getting a spot to the uh, the Sprint and Olympic World Championships in 2009, which were on the Gold Coast that year. And mm-hmm. I it was my very first year in the sport. And the reason I got lucky with getting a place was basically, I think, because I was representing Great Britain and had a British passport, but I was living in Australia and they had a slot a slot in the team because obviously not many Brits were, were making the journey over. Mm. Um, and I'd done a couple of sprint races and they sort of said, oh, if you're still interested and want to go. And so that was sort of my first exposure to the world champs of an amateur level and, and the ITU level. But I mean, I, I, I can't even remember where I came in the race. It certainly wasn't any groundbreaking results on that day but it was just um it was just amazing to be some part of it and Mm. the following following year it the race and I'm probably I think I'm gonna get this right it was in Budapest and um the sprint distance and I managed to qualify for the British team again and I came second in my age group Mm -hmm. only by seven seconds Wow! I'd also the day before the race my bike had got stolen so I was actually on a fellow British teammate's bike which I hadn't sort of dare change any of her setup because she was racing the next day in the Olympic distance Mm -hmm. I think that was kind of that first sort of oh heck actually I can be competitive in this albeit at at that sprint level um in my age group um and then that sort of sowed the seed of going oh actually maybe there is you know I'm enjoying it it's still very much the hobby though um I had my corporate career but let's just see what we can do and the following year I went to the again the world champs in with the sprint distance and it was in Beijing and that was the year I won and that was my first first world title um and I guess the seed was sown then, but it was still, I mean, I still didn't really believe doing it as a career was um, feasible because I was, you know, at that point I was, oh, it was actually on my 30th birthday. So there we go. Um, I think it was mm. somewhere around there or 31st maybe at that point. And, you know, I was doing sprint distance and, the, you know, if you if you're wanting to take sprint distance any further, you need to be. 16 17 18 in the mm-hmm. governing you know in the triathlon australian system or british triathlon system and and going into that itu short course racing and well that just wasn't you know i there was no way i was going to be competitive at my age over that distance partly because i wasn't a swimmer as well so whilst i was compete could compete on an age group perspective it wasn't something that i thought you know that i can go to the olympics at this point um mm. But I think from there, I sort of moved up to the Olympic distance triathlons and then raced that distance and uh, went to Auckland, the world champs, and managed to sort of win my age group at the Olympic distance. So that was kind of that next sort of stepping stone. Um, And then the following year, it was in London, which was amazing. And it was also, I also stepped up that following year to the half iron distance, so the 70.3 distance. And it was probably when I stepped up to that half distance and was lucky enough and fortunate enough to win again the world championships at my age group at that level that I then started to say, 
okay, maybe there is something in this. I'm actually really good at this, yeah, because, I mean, it's yeah. like changing. You know, it's like boxing, like changing weight levels or something. Yeah. To go yeah. for different distances, it's a, it's very different. Sprint compared to the really long distances, they're different. And and for you to just keep sort of stepping up and, and keep winning, um, that, that's awesome. That would have been an awesome feeling. And, and I find it so interesting to think that, like, in a corporate career myself – uh, where there would have come this time, this moment in time, like you're sort of saying, where like I'm actually got this hobby, I'm actually competing, I'm loving everything about it. But now it it could you could launch off into this and leave your career because a career like that for Shell, I mean, gosh, you're minted at that yeah. point, really, aren't you? Like you're set. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I know. Um, when I, I mean, when I was living in Sydney, whilst I started, I was with Shell for two years, and then I sort of changed to a couple of other companies within Sydney but I, I remember my dad the first time I changed I, I moved away from Shell and this is still within the corporate world but I was going I moved to a um, a small boutique management consultancy firm and I still remember to the day this day my dad saying something along the lines of are you sure you want to leave such a big multinational mm -hmm. corporate company they have a really good pension scheme <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because you know that's that's the, the the era and the background that he came from, you know, his my grandfather yeah. worked for the same company all his life. My dad worked for the same company all his life, and that was very much that that mindset. So yeah, I mean, that was even just leaving a big company within the corporate world. So let alone then taking that step away from the corporate world. Um, but I don't think I would have done that if I hadn't have been in in Australia no you know when I was growing up sports in the UK and it has changed now but when I was growing up uh you know I went to a pretty academic school and sport was very much seen as the hobby and you mm. know you, you had your corporate career and you you got your exam your A levels as we called them in the UK at school and you went to university and then you got that corporate job and you just moved on the corporate conveyor belt and yeah it was great that you did sport but that was kind of like that nice rounding of a person but it was very much the the hobby and the additional um mm. it was only when I was living in Australia and then doing the triathlon that people sort of kept saying you should go pro and etc etc and started to sow that seed and I think sport was much more acceptable as a career in Australia um that's as interesting opposed to, as opposed to when I'd been growing up through the UK Mm. And that's real. That's really interesting. And I, I find, um, like, I've got three sisters, and um, you know, like, for a lady, um, you know, in world over, um, it's really becoming more prevalent now. For you know, you'll see the ladies' footy show, and you'll see yeah. that lady ladies are getting you know airtime on in all sorts of different sport, and and so like. If, like for maybe it might have, I mean, you could tell me, but maybe it probably might have been a bit easier maybe for a man to perhaps go pro and make a living from it than a woman. Like, I don't know if... if yeah, I think I, definitely that that's part of it as well. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I think there's a long way to go, but I think what we're seeing now in with women's sport is fantastic because it's creating mm. role models by getting the visibility of the footy leagues and the rugby sevens or the rugby and the cricket teams mm. um, out on TV, it's creating 
the visibility and the role models for other younger girls or other women of any age coming into the, coming through the sport or just wanting to get in the sport and I think um, there's that momentum building with contracts and the professionalism of the sport which is making it more viable as an option for I women. I like it. I like it. I like yeah. it. And, and, and good. So yeah. it should be. Yeah, yeah. So so it should be. And and you know you've had this um like amazing career, a lot of wins along the way. Um you know, but are there some like standout highlights for you that that you that you feel like, you know, whether that's wins or or any yeah. other particular highlights? Um gosh, there's a load if you've got all day and I I tend to talk a lot anyway as you've probably just found out. Um <laughs> you know, those those four world titles as an amateur you know the first one is always special um and you know, had family there to see that and but I think you don't you don't take for granted any of them and so all of those four world titles were were very special and and highlights and then I guess if I go to then as a professional um any win I think um again you don't take it for granted and I I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunities I've had. And so winning, um, you know, Ironman Australia, I've been fortunate enough to win the last two years, um, mm. 2017 and 2018. And now that was special in 2017 because that was my first professional win over the full distance. Mm. Uh, I had a lot of second places. I'd had a lot of sort of bridesmaids and, and been on the podium, but never, never managed to get that win. So that was hugely emotional um and a highlight and also I think because it was in Australia um where I started the sport and you know I, I'd started the sport in Sydney Ironman Australia is in Port Macquarie and so uh, there were so many people there that had seen or knew me from a complete beginner um mm. were there on the sidelines or racing themselves and so that was a huge highlight um obviously winning then going back to back the second year you know again like I said you you take every you really savor every win um that you have uh, and then last year I won Ironman New Zealand and that was a hugely emotional win as well um just because I, I now spend a lot of my time in New Zealand and almost count this as, as a second home and sort of an adopted Kiwi as well as the adopted Aussie I like to think as well um mm, mm. so I think was a, a, a definite highlight um but you know winning uh, I won challenge Madrid as well which was the European triathlon union long course championships and that was that was a different feeling because I was actually for once representing Great Britain and had a Great Britain uniform on and you know, for the for the long course racing, we don't really we we really race for ourselves. Yes, we might race under a flag of our nationality, but you're you're really racing for yourself. It's not like the 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 short course, the Olympic distance racing, the ITU, which is much more governed by the federations, and you're much mm. more part of Australian triathlon or British triathlon. So Madrid for me was a real proud moment to actually sort of wear GB on my on my race suit. Um, and, and like I said, they're the wins that are highlights, but I think there's also, um, a race that I'm pretty proud of, which was challenge Roth, um, in 20, I'll get it right. 2017. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I came second. And so I didn't win, but I came second 
Um, but the performance on the day was probably one of my best performances at that point in time. And so I was incredibly proud of that result um, on that day. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many highlights from just the opportunities I've had through the sport. But yeah, those those races, there's quite a few there, but they they would be, but they'd be all on the list. Yeah, and isn't it isn't it nice? I mean, for different reasons, and I can see why you've why you've um, picked those. But um, you know, I, I'm thinking as you're talking about the Australian one, that wouldn't that have just been the greatest feeling ever to a place that you have kind of called home? Yeah. Um, and and even when you were seeing those people on the sideline and they knew you as a beginner, I think. I mean, I don't know. I'm just imagining myself there. You paint a, a lovely word picture. I'm I'm imagining me somehow. I'm all of a sudden a triathlon champion, and I'm seeing people that knew me when I'm a beginner. Me now. Yeah. and but that would just throw you back to realize just how amazing a feat it is to be where you are I mean you've earned yeah. it but wow yeah I mean that was I mean that moment it was absolutely incredible for all those reasons and more that you've said um just having those people on the sideline or somewhere obviously competing you know my my very first triathlon coach had who who doesn't coach me anymore but you know he was a big part of me in this getting into the sport in those early days and he was he'd come up to watch the race so he was there and mm. you know just so many friends from from media as well as events as well as those people who had been you know going around Centennial Park in those dark hours or being in the pool or being in the in the ocean being on the long rides and that sort of thing who were who were there as well made it made it really special and I think you don't necessarily take it all in at the time but I think when you look back and then you can kind of appreciate a little bit more yeah just how far how far you'd you'd kind of come I mean I didn't I didn't expect you know when I turned professional I I had no idea in terms you know I, I didn't set the goals of saying I want to be a world champion I want to re- win these races it was just it was about seeing what I could do and how good mm. I could and so you know mm-hmm. to then the or not the next minute because it took a lot of it took a, a good three or four years to get that win um but to get a win as a professional over the full iron distance race having been that beginner was was yeah a pretty pretty magic moment yeah, and and it's 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 nothing to be sneezed at. Like you, you see how good people are. I watch the the Facebook lives. I try to I watch YouTube videos about like I I, I don't know a little bit obsessed with triathlon and a lot of other things, you know, adventure. But you, you, people are fast. Like yeah. I set my treadmill to the speeds that um, that you ladies and and the fellas. Are, I, I I don't even know if my treadmill goes as fast <laughs> as it. Do you know? And, and that's sprinting. Faster. All yes, these, these youngsters what? that are coming into the sport and keep moving up the distances is making the, you know, what you, you know, the half and the full distance used to be a more um, steady state is the wrong word. You were still racing, but it more, used to be more about that pacing and endurance. Well, no, now you've got like the athletes coming into the sport who have been racing ITU and you know ex track athletics track champions and ex swimmers and and who are just ridiculous fast and they're now stepping up to the longer distance and they don't seem to be slowing down <laughs> they're going mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. yeah that's exciting it's exciting it's, it must it be scary as well but it's exciting 
it is it's absolutely fantastic for the sport it really is um you know i think we're going to take we're going to see the sport over all distances just go to new levels over the next few years because ultimately triathlon is a relatively new sport in the world you know it was only in the olympics in um when was it 2000 wasn't it it was the first i think the first time mm. it was in the olympics so it's still relatively new and i think the way i think we're just going to see it come on in in performances in leaps and bounds but yeah it's it's scary because i'm also you know at the the older end of the the scale of competing um having gone into the sport quite late and um i still feel i am improving and i've got um definite areas to get better i definitely don't think i've had my best races yet um but yeah and you know it's scary but it's good that the the speed is is increasing and these youngsters are coming in and keeping everyone on their toes and they're raising raising the bar of what and you know setting new standards of what the norm of running a half marathon off the bike is you know now you're looking for the women it's a 114 it's a one mm. the men is a 106 you know it's just crazy times it is really crazy times and and it's like running off the bike after a swim and the bike isn't even just a little bike it's yeah. like I, I sit on my bike and I'm I'm like if anything that would keep me away from triathlon and I'm, I don't want to put it out there but it would be being on the bike for the length of time that I need <laughs> to be on the bike to do the distances I like I it just I can stay on the bike for a bit of a time and then it just like I'm getting uncomfortable and, yeah. and whatever else but to, to be able to do that length swim, then do the bike, and then still hop off and run at that pace, I, I it actually warps my mind understanding <laughs> how a body can do it. <laughs> so, so yeah. the new version of that Roger Bannister or Roger Landy. Yeah. Or, just, yeah. You know. I mean, I think that's the the beauty of the sport and the human body as well. I mean, it's, it's hugely powerful. And I think actually we are pushing through stereotypes and boundaries that we thought weren't achievable before you know now you've got athletes that are well into their 40s still competing at a world-class level over those mm -hmm. longer distances whereas you know a few years ago it would be oh you know once you're mid-30s that's it you should be retiring and now you know there's that longevity in the sport I just think is going and and the performances are still in, increasing and improving over that time and I just think you know also things like um you know you used to think that you you would do one Ironman or full iron distance race and then you'd need to take so many weeks off to recover because it was just so harsh on your body but now you're starting to see people and probably me being one of those you know you can you can do an iron distance race and then do another one a few weeks later and your body copes with it and your body survives because that's what we're kind of trained to do um and those sort of things are coming more and more you know people are pushing their bodies and their limits and exploring different things more and more um in the last year or so and I think that will only go to keep improving and keep pushing the sport forward over the next few years well, I love that um you know you've got these youngsters coming in but also we've got a whole lot of people that you know are into their 40s and still competing so somehow this band this bandwidth of people is is just amazing that they're all able to keep it at this level like you're saying so what is a training schedule um schedule like for you you know competing at the level you are and especially considering that you're having to get an edge on 
both people that have been there a long time and these newcomers. What's that like for you? Uh, yeah, at the moment, this week, it's um, not very much training at all. I just come off the back of a couple of weeks or a month, really, of sort of a couple of big races. And then I had a bit of a big weekend last weekend doing some racing, but of a totally different kind. So sort of some mountain biking and off-road off-road stuff, which was just to do something different and variety. But um, I mean, what normally, I'm a bit more of a volume person. Um, so I'm probably training on average kind of 25 to 30 hours a week. Mm. But, that, but that's specific to me. I mean, I've got um, friend, you know, colleagues, professionals in my training squad under my coach who won't be training anywhere near that amount because they work better on lower volume but the, a different sort of intensity whereas I kind of thrive off the volume um having said that though and in terms of like where do you then get that edge um going forward I I had a big break at the end of no or at the end of October I'd had sort of a couple of years of very heavy racing and lots of travel and so really and I don't normally take long breaks so it was quite a new thing for me to take sort of six weeks off the very unstructured or not really unstructured training, but very just like no training um, and sort of resetting the mind and the body then to come back in. And so I think that's what I've learned now is that actually it's okay to take those breaks. Uh, you know, I think probably in the past I was, fearful that I'd got this fitness and as I was getting older I didn't want to lose it so I mm. I didn't want to have the big breaks but I think I've realized that it's okay to do that and you actually need to take the time to mentally and physically refresh to then be able to move forward in your training and racing from there I um, like it and I think this year as well we sort of my coach Matt Dixon um and Purple Patch his, his sort of coaching group he has kept a little bit of the volume out of my training so you know not not feeding necessarily to my comfort zone but keeping some of that volume out and doing more sort of maybe high-end high-end work to keep that that power and that pace in there so that's something mm. different that we're sort of exploring to see if that keeps me fresher and more competitive going into going into this year as well I like it and and you know, obviously training that body, you're finding the rhythm that works for you. And it's, you know, great that you've got your coach there helping you find, you know, extra gears. How much do you think in, you know, perhaps over the entire time, uh, but, you know, even now, how much do you think like mindset comes into, yeah. comes into play? Um, hugely important, I think. Um, you know, I think most coaches, most athletes will be of, a very similar level of ability, training, um, what they can achieve in competition. Um, but I think so that next level is is your mindset and how you manage situations. And, and again, with mindset, everybody is different. So some people mindset is a calmness, um, a sort of headspace meditational visualization things for, you know for other people it might be um a really focused and really like getting them really pumped up 
in a really aggressive mindset mm -hmm. uh, and and so it much like training and everything else it's really what works for the individual I mean I started working with a and I don't particularly like the word but I guess for want of the audience a sports psychologist um probably three years ago now and it was definitely a huge help for me in making the step having turned professional but wasn't really converting training into races at that stage and I think it was a big part of then having then the successes that I've had and the amazing experiences and opportunities I've had over the last couple of years um, and now yeah exploring a few different again like you know like you just said in the last question how do you constantly look for those ways to improve and keep on your toes with sort of the the younger athletes and the speed increasing and so uh, you know I had a call yesterday with some very top um, coaches within uh, the sports industry um, to explore different areas which some relate to mindset and some is different areas around what I do in the sport in the race in training um, to hopefully start to yeah give myself another step up the performance ladder it's so intriguing isn't it like the idea that um you know and I, who knows what the person might have said back then but you know you know obviously you've proactively gone and sought um you know assistance and the idea of the sports psychologist and the, the tony robbins and the you know the the person that can sort of give something just a little tool or, or some advice or whatever that helps you just get your mind to a point where you're now just owning it, you, whatever the zone is for you um, to then keep taking it up new notches. And if history shows us anything, like you said before, it, is that we will continue to, to take it up a few notches. You're at the top of the game. You're the person that's pushing the boundaries. Like that's impressive in itself. You're learning all these new techniques as to how to just edge it another little bit forward, another little bit forward. I, I find that so amazing. Yeah, I think you – I don't know I think it, it maybe it's who I am but I think it's who most athletes are you know you just you just want to improve personally you just want to get better in yourself you want to swim faster run you know bike faster run faster you strive for that perfect race performance if it exists sort of thing and uh, and, mm. and you know and, and you strive for that state of flow or whatever you want to call it. And so however much success you've had in terms of race results um, doesn't necessarily mean you are successful in your performance. And so, you know, I've had races that I have been fortunate to win, but they're so far off what I know I'm capable of. Um, mm -hmm. I've had races where I've not won and I've, you know, and, but I've had, you know, days that I've been like, actually, that was a really good, solid performance. But I can still see improvements um, and I can still see that, yes, if I just, you know, I should have maybe maybe I made a the wrong decision at this point in the race. And so that's a learning for next time. Or I can see I need to improve in this area and I can see that's achievable and, and that sort of thing. So I think that's what constantly drives us to keep keep going or keep you know and for me where I am in my career and age that's still what's driving me is that I feel I haven't quite unlocked 
my capability in a race or my potential in a race. I feel there is a gap in what I'm put doing in my training sessions and 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 that sort of thing. But then not being able to bring that out on race day. So that's the one of the next things that I want to focus on is like how do we unlock that? How do I get my best performance out of myself on the day? Yeah, because that's really intriguing. I saw a post. Uh, I think it might have been on Instagram the other day, and um, you know, it was a photo with you with the hands up, and you said, "Well, I don't know what I was thinking in the picture," or something along those lines. But it it was you actually expressing that um, from memory that you yep. were hoping to actually, you know, really bring through. Like you're having this awesome lead up to the day, and then you're actually just wanting that to convert on the day. Um, so that's an intriguing thing, like something about race day, and and just it all has to come together on that day, doesn't it? It, it does and it's you know it's such a fine line and I guess that's the it's the beauty of sport it's also the frustration of sport that it comes down to a de- you know you know look you know for track it's eight nine seconds of your life for that Olympics for the 100 meter sprint kind of thing and you've trained for four years to get there and mm. um, for us you know okay we've it's four hours it's nine hours but it's still trying to perform at your best on a single day um and you know sometimes you can have the best lead up in the world and your training is going great and you you're on a real high um I mean I don't think I ever I don't ever get arrogant or cocky with it but you know you just have that sort of inner confidence but yet you can't but then for whatever reason on race day it just doesn't happen and reversely you know you could have an absolute shocking lead up into the race and nothing you know you're really sort of struggling to form and then that gun fires and you know things do click for you and so it's kind of that frustrating puzzle that you're constantly trying to unlock and solve of how to get it all sinking and get the best out of your body on race day or just manage the scenarios that happen come race day to get the best out of yourself and it's i mean it's a harsh saying but um quitters never win and winners winners never quit i mean like if really i'm just hearing through throughout this that you're ready to unlock that the desire is there you're already smashing it you're already like at, at the highest level and yet still you know that there's this you know deep uh, potential inside of you that you want to unlock and unleash, you know, for yourself and, and not necessarily to win or beat, you know, but it's really like beating your own self, yeah. your own personal best. I, I love that. I love that mindset. Yeah. And so 2019, is that, is that is the goal for 2019? Is it to unlock this potential? Do you have like a particular <laughs> thing that you're aiming for? Or Yeah, I mean, it it is for me because that's my um... – Oh, frustration is probably too much of a word, but that's kind of where I feel my next gap or step up in performance is is in terms of getting out on race day what I know I'm capable of um, from training. But goal, I mean, goal for me in the sport, you know, I I know that we don't have forever in this sport. Whilst I have talked about how we are. In, pushing the boundaries as we get older and people are racing a lot as they are a lot older. Um, I know I don't have that many years left in the sport. And, but for me, it has been even the past few years is about doing 
races that I love and that I want to do um you know not chasing specifically getting qualified for Kona or or things like that which yep that I might be shooting myself in the foot at that because then I get frustrated when I do get to Kona that because I've raced so much over the year I'm never going to have that amazing performance against the best in the world but you know yeah for for 2019 it's doing some of the races that I love and that I'm really passionate about and then it's doing a couple of new races that I want to do and almost like tick off my list um before I my career finishes um you know I, I well it was it certainly wasn't a goal at the beginning of the year but last weekend I hopped on a mountain bike the first time on a mountain bike ever um and did an off-road well obviously off-road a, a mountain bike event in um called the Mototapu which is down in the South Island in New Zealand between sort of um Wanaka and Queenstown and that was just you know that was just because it's something different and mm-hmm. you we got to ride over uh the land that's private land and so it's only open for this one one weekend a year um and I just wanted to see that area of the country and I you know took my GoPro and then crazy as it sounds the next day I did the same race but ran it and it was a marathon and you know I've never done an off-road marathon and it was a week after Ironman New Zealand and um so it's all pretty crazy but it's doing things like that um to in to find the love to keep not to find to keep the love of the sport and to keep love of sport and the enjoyment factor in it um and I think that's a big part for me in terms of goals and races for 2019 and obviously you know the races that I do choose that yeah I you know you want to you want to be winning or you want to be on the podium but it's again it's just having those performances that you know you've got the most out of your body and you can cross that line and and feel pretty proud of going yeah I actually I'm starting to see that that transition from the training to the race and that being unlocked and things like that I like it and, and I, I really love this uh, idea of the off-road um, race I I have a love for all things adventure and yep. I see uh you know oh, there's just so many things like as part of this podcast I've started meeting people from all over the world all walks of life and there is some cool stuff uh, out there to try it, it I I am still buzzing from the weekend I think it was just so different for me and you know I went into it with no expect I didn't go into race I went in with no expectations all I went in was like I've never been on a mountain bike I want to see this part of the country I'm going to take my GoPro I'm going to take my camera with me I'll take pictures as I go I just want to experience that the, the route that you know the Mototapu route and the same it was and then the crazy thing of going well why you know it's now on two days the event why why can't I do the mountain bike one day and then run the next day and I'm not and again I went into the run I didn't go into race it um I purely went I I had no idea what my body was going to do I I, like I said I'd just been done Ironman New Zealand I'd done three days on a mountain bike and then done and done the event and so I had no idea on Sunday morning like if I was I, I fully expected to be like doing a run a run for a bit and then I'd walk for a bit um again I'd take my GoPro take lots of pictures that you that I couldn't take the day before when I'm sort of cleaning, cleaning, clinging, clinging to the mountain bike with lack mm-hmm. of experience. 
months um and and just go and enjoy it and go and run for the love of running and I mean it just turned out to be an amazing day and the crazy thing about it is I ended up winning the off-road marathon which definitely wasn't in the plan and not expected and I was still not arsing around I was taking it seriously but I was still had my GoPro out and I was still just going there was one point in it that we were I was about 25k into the run so you know 15k or whatever to go and I looked ahead of me and I couldn't see anybody no one no one there at all and I looked behind me and I couldn't see anybody and we're in quite a sort of you're high up because you're crossing over the crown range but we're also sort of in a on a flattish section of the run but surrounded by mountains either side and it was just incredible like that I was like I'm in this running event but there is no one around me I'm here Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere on my own it's absolutely stunning and I'm just running and it was fun I think I yelled I think I sat started singing I think I started laughing um there was just this pure sort of adventure spirit that I I haven't experienced before sounds magical and and, you know for for you who really always wants to push the boundaries you know has to try to win you know you that's that's your job and but it might have just been nice to have that experience where you know there isn't the pressure of having to win and you know and 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 how fun does that sound like at one point you might be thinking did I take a right hand turn where I should have turned left yeah I, I think I think you really got it there in terms of you know I I went into that race with no expectations and no pressure. I hadn't even hadn't even crossed my mind about racing it. You know, I, I had some friends who were actually walking the marathon. So I was like, well, you know, if the worst comes to the worst, I'll just walk it with them. And it's going to be a great day out because it's just an amazing countryside. And, and that'll be fine because I'm not doing it to – I'm just doing it because I want to get out and experience this part of the world. And so, yeah, just that doing something – for the pure hell of it, for loving it, for not competing, for not, you know, and even when I got to the front of the race, which was sort of a bit of a, a bit of a shock. And I was just going, is this really happening? And shit does, you know, shit just got real. Do I have to race it now sort of thing? Mm. And, and I just said, no, just keep doing what you're doing and still keep, you're not racing. You're still doing this to just enjoy running and being in this part of the world. And if people catch you from behind, so be it. You weren't in it to race it. Just keep keep enjoying what you're doing. And, and yeah, just not having that. Because it was so different from what I do, it was that refreshingness of, um, yeah, not being on that sort of start line in, in, in a triathlon going, oh, heck, I'm, you know, I should be winning or I have to win or, or that sort of thing. Um, mm. So, yeah, interesting, interesting learnings to take away. I like it. I like it. And so you know you would have been an inspiring people would be in the race would have known who you are i suppose as well and um like you know i was talking to you just before we started but about you know even a colleague of mine um you know you're you're well can you say a household name i'm just going <laughs> to say that but um you know i find that very intriguing and but again it's a matter of perspective so uh, are there people that you know where from your perspective that you're looking at them and they're inspiring you and, and if so who, who might they be Oh, uh, yes, is the answer to that. Um, how do I narrow it down and, and not talk for another hour or two? Um, 
there's a whole load of people that inspire me and that goes from women in sport who are really pushing the boundaries men in sport as well the way you know they're pushing their performance boundaries I think you know my I was when I was younger I think my sister one of my old uh, I'm the youngest of four girls but one of my sister was a very good netballer and I think she was pretty inspiring to see her competing and again in a time when sport wasn't professional in the really professional in the UK um but to see her competing at the top in netball but managing it with work and then to see her managing the you know those ups and downs of team dynamics and selections and that sort of thing and and just kept driving and kept chipping away at it I think was inspiring and influential for me um you know other athletes I have there's a a load of athletes that I have a huge amount of respect for and who inspire me um Lucy Gossage in the UK I just think I love her the way she approaches life and racing and and that kind of inspires me uh, you, you know Chrissy Wellington um, people like that, Belinda Granger, um, you know, there's a whole host of those women at the top of the sport in, in triathlon. So, and I could, and then, you know, could even go broader than that. But I, oh, I could, yeah, I could talk all day about that when I've already talked it's, a lot. <laughs> already spoken it, a lot. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost an unfair question considering yeah. that you've only got, um, that's, it's almost like one of those Oscar speeches yeah. <laughs> like hang on let me I need to thank you know yeah. because there are and you know people may not even realize I mean you might tell them but um some a colleague of mine said to me today that you know often we are silent um you know about those people that really inspire us somehow we might think that they know or or whatever else but what I what I really love out of this is that you know you're drawing inspiration from so many people from so many different places um and and like I said you're still an inspiration for for people everywhere so um you know sorry to spring that spring that one on you um, <laughs> but if if you if you had to give um three tips so someone you know they're sitting on the couch uh at home or you know perhaps starting out exercising whatever it might be what what might three tips um that you might give to people getting into you know endurance sport i okay three um i would say one find a a group of friends or rope your friends in or find a training group because I think when you're first getting into the sport I think that's or for me anyway it was a huge part of it I had a I joined as a complete beginner a fantastic group in in Sydney called Bondi Fit and you know my some of my closest friends are still those people that I met through that triathlon group so I think um there's a huge even if you like sort of training on your own or if it fits better with your work I think there is a huge benefit with having a community and a training group around you um and I think another tip would be to get a coach I think they are hugely valuable um as you are starting out into the sport and it doesn't need to break the bank um and but I think having a person, you know, and not just an online training program, I think it's great having a, a personal relationship with a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the other third tip? I think, uh, and it probably comes back to that first one. It's got to be fun and it's got to 
you've got to love it. It's got to be fun and it's got to fit into your lifestyle. So I think, you know, some people start, in fact, I had a conversation with a, a lady today, um, a very senior executive in the UK. Um, and she's thinking about, and she turns 50 this year and she's thinking about starting triathlon with a goal to complete um, a full distance uh, in 2020 and at Challenge Roth. Um, and she was sort of worried about the hours she would need to train and and that sort of thing. And could she do it starting so late in life? And I think it's about triathlon has it has to fit into your life. Um, I don't think it should take over your life. I think it has to fit in with your family and your work and everything like that. And only by getting that balance, it's not going to be um an equal balance all the time at different points things are going to be slightly out of kilter but over the long time there should be that balance that it's part of your life and it enhances and adds value to your life not doesn't take over your life and becomes a burden I love it. And and that's really intriguing because there's a bit of glory that goes with Ironman, you know, sprint. Well, it's the, you know, it's the small, and I know that people are like, basically, I don't know if their feet are touching the ground when they're running, they're running that fast. They've got like jetpacks <laughs> or something, but there, there's, there does come a certain glory with, with Ironman that, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, that's the big goal. Uh, but, you know, I do sprint triathlons and I'll probably end up going for longer ones, but they're still fun and it's still yeah. enjoyable. And, and I, I'm swimming and I'm thinking, actually, there's, I'm swimming along in the, in not the last one, the one before, and someone breaststroked past me like that and the breaststrokes and I'm freestyling as fast as I can go and they were from the wave behind me and I'm just turning my head watching and then they just zoomed past me breaststroking. But still, even though that was a bit like, hang on a minute, I... I just still love that I'm out there and I'm participating and I know I'm fit. I could be at home in a Netflix marathon or something. I'm not, I'm out with nature and I'm, and I'm just, I just love the feeling. It doesn't have to necessarily be an Ironman. No. And I think that's, I mean, that's probably like the the fourth thing I would say to a beginner getting or someone getting into the sport of triathlon. You don't have to do even a half distance. You don't have to do. You don't have to do a full distance. There, you can do sprints and Olympics and or super sprints, and it's fantastic and it's just as rewarding. And if that's what fits with your life, that you're still enjoying it and you're still getting fun out of it, then that is okay. Like you don't need to get drawn into this. Yeah, like you said, that sort of badge of honor that you're not. Oh, unless you've done an Ironman or something like that, it's not considered that you've really done a triathlon. Bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> mm, you can, mm. like, you know, I often say that you don't need to step up those distances. If you are loving and enjoying the sprints and the Olympics and that's what works for you, then that is, that's brilliant. And the thing I, I like about triathlon is that community. Um, and that, yes, it's an individual sport, but you are just out there with all ages, with all abilities. A lot of the time you are racing on the same course that the professionals are racing on on the same day. And there's that very much that interaction and engagement. And, you know, you get people who are doing the sprint and the, or, or the kids that are doing the kids races and stuff like that. Or then at the weekend, there was an 86 year old doing a triathlon. And, and it's just that whole spectrum I mean uh, sorry going off on a slight tangent and, and still talking um my mum and dad who you know hugely grateful they've been big supporters 
in what I've done and what I'm doing um, and they come and watch some of the races that, where they can and oh, I think it was 2017 mum and dad were out in Roth at the race and the day before the race they had this huge 5k run uh, a women only event but it, it's just absolutely massive and mum and dad were watching it and mum's was like well hang on a minute there's all these women running and they're all you know there's kids running there's older ladies running there's all shapes and sizes running she's like I can do that I think oh I like it she was she was 71 when she did this and so she went home after that race and started running and and she'd played tennis but for the last few years but not never ever ran in her life and so she started running with the goal to go back to Roth the year later and take part in this 5k run which she did and it was probably the highlight of my weekend was me was myself and dad watching mum run and take part in it and then being there when she crossed the finish line and I think you know that just is a huge thing for me about triathlon but sport sport in general and how powerful Mm. how powerful sport can be well I just had like the last triathlon it's weird but I just had that really proud moment for watching my my dad and I compete you know went together and you know it it was only the entire distance and that but you know I think it was Christmas time or something we were we're at around for Christmas all the family and we're all talking up like well what we could do it together everyone would you do it I I might try it you know and the next thing dad started training He, he trained and he trained and he trained and then to, to actually, I'm proud of my dad. I mean, like, isn't it? Yeah. A, it's an interesting feeling being the kid um, and getting that photo with him at the end. And, and I just love everything about my dad and, and just being able to have that moment together where, you know, a year ago, if I'd have suggested it to him, he probably would have laughed at the idea. Yep. Mm, I love so, sport for so that. It's brilliant. So good. Mm. This has been so fun. I think that you and I, I, you know, you're a busy lady. And I know that you've, you've really um, been so generous in your time, but I could see that we could just talk and talk oh. and talk. <laughs> similar, similar oh, personalities. But for people, um, you know, say listening at home and, and they want to follow along your journey, um, do you have like, you know, Facebook or Instagram or, or some um, website handles or anything that where people can sort of follow along on your journey? Yeah, so I'm on I'm on Facebook. I've got my own or my own personal page as Laura Siddall, or I have I do have an athlete page as well. Um, so I think it's yeah, Laura Siddall, professional athlete. But I'm on Instagram as LM Sid, and on Twitter LM Siddall, I think. Um, and I do have a website. It's a needs a little bit of updating. It's a bit of a work in progress, but there's a few blogs that come out every now and again. But yeah, in Instagram and Facebook and Twitter are probably the best ways to to follow me but also just saying that you know if um as I said it's the community and and things that I love about the sport so if people are at a race and I'm there or an event or they see me please 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 come up and say hello because I love I love meeting people and I love that interaction so don't please reach out and, and send me a message send me messages on through social media if you've got questions or just to say hello yeah I, I love that sort of thing I love it. I love it. I, you know, it's, you're amazingly down to earth, uh, and and all of what you have achieved. I really do hope that that 2019, you know, brings you a lot more joy, and I hope that you actually see yourself get out to another, you know, one or two of those off-road events. 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 I'm, I'm passionate. Enjoy. I think I'll be searching out for them for sure. I, I think the other thing that 
um you know when you when you're doing the triathlon as your profession sometimes you forget as you cross the finish line that sense of achievement because it's just what we do as our job now and so you know I and again I'm talking Ironman specifically but it's the same in sprint and olympic but you know you go back to that those midnight hours or the last couple of hours at an Ironman and just watch people come across the line and the smiles and the elation and that sense of achievement that what they've achieved is it, it, it's something that we often as professionals forget because it's what we're doing as our job um but again I had that at that weekend doing the off-road the mountain bike and the off-road marathon like I crossed the line and I went I went I was a I was an event marketer's dream because I crossed the line I got my medal I went straight to the merchandise store and bought the t-shirt like I was that and I was like you're a professional athlete this is what you do and yet you've still been just sucked in totally and it was so nice to have that feeling of when like that that joy of crossing the line and so that's what I think is good to try and remember sometimes and so it's good to just appreciate watching everyone out like you said with your dad crossing the line that's that's a real powerful powerful moment so yeah I love it. I love it. I love it. I, 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 I honestly, I could, I could talk to you just nonstop. <laughs> um, but again, look, you know, I, I'll keep, I'll keep watching from afar, and hopefully, I do bump into you uh, at an event, or I'll try and get along to one that I know that you're, you're competing yeah. at. Um, but again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I know that the listeners are going to get a kick out of this one. Um, really, Laura, thank you so much for your time. No, thanks very much for having me. I've really enjoyed it, and apologies for sort of chatting on forever i get too excited <laughs> oh, i love it i love it well thanks again thanks so much